Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. Last week or two, I mentioned how I was privileged to have Charles Price, a UK speaker over at our place, and he shared a meal with us. Um, We've had uh, Michael Bublé at our place (laughs) during the festive season. Uh, Not in person, not in person. (laughs) Just in case you want to come and rub my arm or something and, you know. But uh, we have his songs. It's getting a bit of a tradition. Cass seems to like him for some reason. I don't understand why, but... um, Playing in the background has sort of become our happy, safe place to have him playing during the Christmas song. But um, one of the songs is called It's the Best Time of the Year. And I, I reckon most of the kids would probably say, yeah, I agree with that. It's the best time of the year. And as adults, we get it. We understand it. But we also realize that um, life's a little bit more complicated than the Christmas season and gifts and things. There's a lot more going on for people in this world and in our lives and a lot more for us to deal with. And so life just is never simple. It's always complicated. It's um, the good and the bad. There's times when we celebrate, there's times when we cry. (laughs) Life is just sometimes a burden, sometimes it seems almost like a curse, at other times our feet don't hit the ground. So life's like that. That's our experience of life. But We need to remember, to understand the significance of Jesus, we need to remember that it wasn't always like that. There was a time when everything was very simple. In fact, it was simply very good. (laughs) And uh, as we go back to Genesis chapter 2, we read that God created all kinds of trees in the garden, and they were pleasing to the eye and good for food. We read there were flowing rivers that watered the garden. And Adam gave names to all the animals, and no doubt that brought a different dimension to life for him. So you picture the Garden of Eden setting where everything is simply and simply good, and just God is blessing his creation and his people. But then everything changes, and their life uh, is turned upside down. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So the perfect life that God created had been lost. Paradise lost, gone. (laughs) And once Adam and Eve were close to God, now they were far away. Once they enjoyed having his presence, uh, now that wonderful life in that beautiful place had been destroyed. And what they were created for, they were created to be close to God. They were created to be close to him. That was now impossible. Paradise lost. And we read that they were filled with fear, and all they wanted to do previously they were close to God and enjoyed his presence, but now all they wanted to do was to hide. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, just like he had been before. But now they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. And do you know what? This is what our world is like today. (laughs) Nothing's changed. 
People are hiding from God because of shame and guilt. It may not be their obvious response, it might not even be a conscious response, but I can assure you that the world today is hiding from God out of shame and guilt. A broken relationship created to be close to God, but not close to God. Paradise lost. And so from that time, that became the reality for all of us. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of God, and he was in walking in the garden in the cool of the day. <laughs> they hid. Then the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees, but the Lord called to the man, where are you? <laughs> now, God knew where they were, both physically and spiritually. God knew. But he asks the question because at the moment they are experiencing what it's like to be distant from God. They are experiencing this new but bitter experience where they're no longer close to him. And we see here that God asks them, where are you? Because they need to realize there's a problem. They need to realize what they've done. They need to realize the situation. They need to have an awareness of what's happening. And this painful situation has become a reality for mankind ever since. All have followed. It was a reality for you and me. It's a reality for our family and our friends that there's this now this distance between God and man. And do you know, if Adam and Eve were able to ask God when he came into that garden, what brought you here? What brings you here, God? God would say, I have come to rescue you. Now, at the moment, they're in their own pain, and they're thinking, what's happened? And they're overwhelmed by their guilt and their shame. But all the time, God's thinking, my special people are now separate, they're not close, and I'm going to rescue them. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So here we have Jesus in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve, overwhelmed with guilt and shame, hiding behind the trees, God's thinking about rescuing and restoring. And here's God's rescue plan. And the seed of the woman is Jesus. And the seed of the evil one uh, will bruise his heel. So bruising's only temporary, it's not fatal. <laughs> he will bruise Jesus' heel. Jesus will go to the cross. He'll take on your sin and mine. He'll, he'll take on, he will die on a cross and rise again in three days. And so we see that his heel is only bruised. <laughs> it's not forever because of the resurrection. He rises. But we need to take in an understanding of how Adam and Eve would have felt. Can you imagine for a moment a wonderful life in a beautiful garden close to God? They sin, that's broken, paradise lost. Now, for the first time, they experience shame and guilt and burden. And that's what the whole world is suffering from. And that's what we suffered from before we know Christ. And if you, you have yet had not had that encounter with Jesus, not just that you know he exists, the devil believes he exists, but if you haven't had an encounter where you realize he died on the cross for you, then you still carry that guilt and shame. And you will still hide from God, whether you're aware of it or not. But it's been something that's been on all of us. But 
If you were to ask God the question, what brings you here? Why did you come? God would say in Genesis 3, I came to rescue you, to restore you. Uh, A few weeks ago, uh, we had a family holiday down at the Sunshine Coast. And we had all our kids and all our grandkids. So Kath and I were like pigs in mud. Uh, Just the bestest time. (laughs) But somehow on the beach duty, I don't know how it quite happened, but somehow I got left with the responsibility of watching the kids while they swam. (laughs) And it took me back to when we, our own kids were little. But I I get stressed because... You're standing there and you're trying to watch all the kids in the water. And the little ones, they're just there. They're not too bad. You can see them. And the, the middle-sized ones, they're out a little bit further. And the older ones, they're out even further. Thankfully, I must admit, there were a couple of parents with the older ones who are out a bit further. <laughs> but I can just remember, your, your eyes are never off them. Where are they? You're just constantly watching to see where they are in the water. Uh, you just eyes are never off them. And when we read about the prodigal son... <laughs> We get this insight about how God has the same view to us. His eyes are never off you. His, his eyes are watching you all of the time. He's caring for you and, and watching you all of the time. The Father's heart is always focused on you. So the son had been away having a good time, spending all his money, doing things perhaps he shouldn't have done, but we read that, or we have this picture of the dad who's waiting every day on top of the roof, watching. (laughs) Watching, waiting. Perhaps he'll never come home, but the father's heart is always for his son, and he goes on the roof every day and he's watching. Because we read in that passage, as Jesus tells this parable, but when the son was a long way off, (laughs) the father saw him and ran to him. And so we have this picture of this dad who's on top of the roof every day just waiting for his son because his eyes are always on him. If we could ask God, what brings you here? Why did you come? It wasn't just to rescue us, but he put in place a covenant, a binding, legal, long-lasting, eternal covenant where he said, I will be your God and you will be my children. So he just didn't rescue us and run off, (laughs) but he rescued us and said, I rescue you because I love you and I want to make a covenant with you. And as we look at that prodigal son, there's just a few verses there we need to get a picture in our minds. But while the son was still a long way off, the father saw him, father's eyes, always on us. And he was filled with compassion. Here's the son that wasted the money, but his heart was filled with compassion And then he ran to the son. And later on, we see something that's really important for us to understand from an Eastern culture, but he kissed his son. And the moment that he kissed his son, that that very moment, the son knew that he was forgiven. Kissed the son. And so God just doesn't rescue us because we're in trouble, but there's something far more going on there. He loves us. He wants us to be his children. He wants us to be close But let's get a picture. Let's take it all in and just understand how amazing God's love for us. The son said to him, and this is what we need to do. Initially, if you haven't confessed your sin, there's this encounter with Jesus where you say, I've done bad stuff. You died on the cross for me. Thank you for that gift. You need to accept it. But we continue to do that to stay in relationship. Father, I've sinned against heaven 
and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, look at the response, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. (laughs) For this son of mine was dead, but now he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. God came to rescue us, but he also came to put in place a covenant of love. You would be his children. He would be your God. And you know in this covenant, this legal binding eternal covenant, God does all the heavy lifting. We're the prodigal. We're messing up our lives. We're doing the wrong thing. God does the heavy lifting because when we come back to him, he celebrates and says, let's party. How good is that? Just doesn't rescue and say, I've seen enough of you, you're safe, off you go. (laughs) But he says, no, the reason I rescue you is because I want to have this relationship with you. We talked when we did this a few weeks ago about how God loves to linger. And if you look up the word linger in the dictionary, it talks about a reluctance to leave. (laughs) God wants to linger with us. He doesn't want to leave. He brings in this covenant because he wants us to be his children. And if we go back to our Exodus story, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. This is our part. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak. So God reached out to the people of Israel. He said, you are my treasured possession. And when Jesus tells this story of the prodigal son, he's saying the same thing, the depths of God's love for you. You are my treasured possession. So God came to rescue us. That's why he came. But he also came to covenant with us, to linger with us. He wants to spend time in your company and mine. Who would believe it? The God of forever, the creator of the heavens and the earth, enjoys my company and yours. He wants to linger, and he wants it to be binding. But thanks be to God, we're the prodigal, and God does all the heavy lifting in the covenant. How good is that? But he is faithful to his word. And in summarizing this, we'll go back to where we started. Remember, we went back to the burning bush, And how God got Moses' attention with a burning bush that wouldn't burn out. And not only that, but the bush spoke. (laughs) And we talked about the fact that maybe Moses went home for dinner and said, Honey, a wonderful thing happened to me today. I saw this burning bush. It wouldn't burn out. And guess what? It spoke. (laughs) But if Moses would have done that, he would have missed the point. Because it's not a burning bush or it's not the speaking bush. (laughs) Any old bush will do. It doesn't matter. It's God's presence within the bush. It's God's presence within the bush. And uh, I shared with you my love of Cape and Ray, and uh, of course the founder of Cape and Ray was Major Ian Thomas. Haven't had him for dinner, but I wish I had. God is with him at the moment, but he said this, any old bush will do it. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the God within It's not about our ability, but our availability. It's not our ministry. It's not our task. It's not about what we can do or offer. It's all about God. It's not our battle. 
It's not our burden, it's not our concern, nor is it our challenge. You see, we are the bush, and there's nothing special about the bush. What's special is the God within. So the story goes. This is one of these stories where you probably know it's not true, but it fits. And so it's a nice story, so pastors use it. So here we go. (laughs) Old recluse living deep in the woods. Uh, He passes away. He has these distant relatives that never have anything to do with him, but they come out to see what they can get, basically. Anyway, he's got an old shack, simple old table, old battered mattress in the corner. And they look around and they have a look out through the shack and they take a couple of odds and ends, but they said, nothing here. So as they're driving out, they run into this guy's best friend and he introduced himself and he said, mind if I take what's left? They said, sure, have whatever you like, there's nothing there. And so as he's watching the dust go as they leave, he goes into the shack, he moves the table, he lifts up the floorboards... (laughs) And there he finds the gold that's been mined for 53 years. Good story. Probably not true, but it's a good story. (laughs) But he reflected, he said, they should have got to know him better. They should have got to know him better because there was a treasure under their eyes. They just didn't know it. (laughs) Uh, Of all my Christian journey, of all my years of being... Uh, brought up in a Christian church of all my years of being in youth group and being youth leaders and doing that, all my years of ministry, this is the treasure. It's under our nose. And I say this politely and sensitively, but generally we don't get it. We don't get it. We know it in our heads, but we still don't get it because I can see and observe from language and action that we don't get it. But there is this treasure that is within That's the treasure. Any old bush will do. It's the presence of God within. So not only did God come to rescue us, not only God come to covenant with us, but God also came to dwell with us. The Lord said to Moses, you are to receive an offering from me for each man whose heart prompts him to give. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, a tabernacle, a dwelling place. And look at this. And I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. God said to the people of Israel, not only have I come down from heaven to rescue you, but guess what? I'm moving in. (laughs) I'm going to come and stay permanently. And when we talked about this on Christmas Day, we said that's only a problem to us if we have the wrong view of God. And we went through the Lord, the 23rd Psalm, sorry, the Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And we went through just the beauty of that Psalm and how good it is that the God wants to be with us. If you don't like the idea of God being permanently with you, you have the wrong view of God. You might have a religious view, you might have a, a view that's been preached from a pulpit, but if you don't want God to be with you all the time, you have a wrong view of God. So if you get a little bit nervous about this idea that he's moving in permanently, (laughs) then you need to change how you see God because somehow you've got the good news and you turned it into bad news. But he wants to make his home within us. This is this great treasure within. He came to dwell. (laughs) Isn't this incredible? 
It's one thing to rescue us. Remember on the Logan Motorway, the people came and rescued me when my car broke down. But once they got me fixed and sorted, they said, see you later. I've never seen them again. So people just rescue us, but God didn't just rescue us. He said, you know what? I actually like being with you. I'm not going anywhere. But I won't just be alongside you. I just won't hold your hand. I just won't be with you with things. I actually will come and make my home within you. Any old bush will do because it's the presence of God. So what brings you here, God? Why did you come down? Why did you come? He came to rescue us. He came to covenant with us. And he came to dwell in us. How good is that? How good is it? How good is it? I'm not sure. How good is it? I'll start calling by name soon. How good is it? It is just the bestest, greatest, wonderful news ever. We have an amazing God. And there's a treasure right before our eyes. Let's make the most of it. Let's enjoy it and give thanks to him. Would you stand as we pray?